Hello, everyone. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio on the C-Suite Network. And if you want to hear how a company focuses relentlessly on their customers and their NPS, that's the Net Promoter Score, numbers, and how they just do amazing things in their industry, then you're going to want to listen to this interview of Matt Peterson, the CMO and co-founder of Jive Communications. Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Jeff Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio, and once again, another amazing interview today. I'm very excited because we are going to be talking with an executive, Matt Peterson, who is a CMO and the co-founder of Jive Communications. Uh, started this company, and he, his background is was a software engineer, so I know he understands what the user experience is supposed to be. And as chief marketing officer over at Jive, Matt is responsible for the designing of the marketing strategies and processes that drive the growth. And a big part of that dro- growth ties into the metrics of the surveys that they use, and that happens to be a focus on the net promoter score, NPS. So we're going to be talking about how that uh, focus uh, on the relentless, amazing customer service that Jive provides. And by the way, they are a leader in their industry, uh, trumping competitors uh, by double, if not even more, in the surveys uh, based on the NPS scores and what they're doing to make things right. There's a lot to learn. And as you know, while we interview a lot of authors, uh, Matt is the guy in the trenches doing it day in and day out in real life. So we get a lot to learn today. Matt, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Uh, thanks, Chef. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's start off real quick. People are going to say, what is Jive Communications? So uh, we'll give, give us a quick plug on that. So Jive Communications is a unified communications services company. So basically we offer a phone system in the cloud and some other uh, services sort of completing out the unified communications suite, like video and contact center. Great. So you do a lot in the contact center space? Um, yeah, we have our own contact center product uh, recently launched. Um, it's sort of these, these services and technologies and communications are converging, right? So historically you've bought you know, your phone system from one company and your phone service from another company, and if you needed a contact center product that was from another company, Jive has an integrated suite of all, uh, of all native products that uh, um, all hosted in the cloud. We're moving all the hardware out of your telco closet and, and taking care of all that for you. So, so basically all you need is a phone and an internet connection. Yep, that's right. And uh, we'll we'll sell you the phone too. These phones are all sort of internet devices at this point. It's all SIP based, and so uh, literally you just plug in uh, these IP phones to your network, and uh, they sort of call home, figure out who they are, and register themselves on the network, and you're off and running. Wow, pretty easy. All right, let's talk about uh, the thing that attracted me to you in the first place, which was this incredible NPS score. So the net promoter score, for those who, for whatever reason, if you've been listening to the show, I know you know what it is, but for whatever reason, if you're new and you don't know what NPS is, it is a question, it's a survey question where you ask your customer on a scale of 0 to 10, what's the likelihood that you would recommend this to a a friend or a colleague, uh, another person in in your company, whatever, or, you know, uh, whomever. So it's about 
the likelihood, nines and tens, these are the people that are your promoters. Sevens and eights, they're passive. They're in the middle. They may think, yeah, you're okay. They may be leaning more toward promoting you or, unfortunately, may be leaning toward detracting, and that's the one through six score. If somebody gives you a two, a three, a four, a five, a six, or even a zero, they are your detractors. They won't come back. They'll talk poorly about you. If they are still with you, they're looking for a reason to leave. Uh, Matt, sum that up pretty well. Yeah, I think you got it. Great. So your score uh, is what? So, uh, well, we track NPS on several levels, um, but our overall um, sort of published NPS score, I think, is about 68. 68. Now, let's describe what 68 means. Apple computer, you know, Apple, Mac, uh, your phones, your iPhones, their NPS score, if you compare it to yours, do you know what theirs is? Uh, I I think they're around the seventy mark. They're right I, around sixty eight, exactly sixty nine. Sure. Yeah. So you are yeah. you are yeah. in the big leagues with NPS score. This is like an off the charts rock star score. Uh, and I know that some of your competitors are probably in the thirties and uh, maybe even less. And and, and by the way, uh, you can thank Sterling who is really, really nice in, in Sterling Snow and setting this up. And I know he's in your marketing communications department who does an amazing job. But that was one of the selling points as he was comparing Jive to the competition. And I think, you know, if you look at the overall market of any business, you go, wow, you know, you're, you're hanging out in the area that some of these big rock stars are. But when you start getting down to your specific industry, uh, which is basically the phone industry, and, and you know, this is amazing to me. Well, I we think so, um, and it's come with a lot of a lot of work, a lot of investment, a lot of thought, and just you know, flat out execution. I think from the whole company, um, you know, and I, I think it's also remarkable that we were able to do it in the telecom industry. You know, most most people historically, you know, they're not in love with their their phone company. Most people, you know, they they get their phone bill, and it's you know. It's a utility they pay for, and they don't understand the fees. And, you know, there's not a lot of really positive feelings out there most of the time for your phone company. So we've been, we've been, uh, we've been blessed to have some success in, uh, in treating our customers well. So there was an article that just came out today, as a matter of fact. They had the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Shame, and they took – and I don't know how they came up with 13 companies, but they put 13 companies that were Hall of Fame, rock star-type companies, and then there are 13 Hall of Shamers. And if you looked at – uh, the Hall of Shame, and obviously you're not in the Hall of Shame, okay, but uh, you look at it, and uh, what I would call, you know, not just phone companies, but internet, cable, TV, phone providers, they kind of fall under an umbrella. Uh, they made up like a third of the 13, and uh, then there was a couple of airlines on there, um, couple, you know, a few banks. By the way, these are the industries that typically, you know, are the laggards, in the world of business. So, you know, when you find somebody that's really just trying to, you know, break away. And I, I really want to equate what you've done to what Richard Branson did when he started Virgin. Uh, he said, hey, I'm going to start Virgin Airlines. And the reason is, is he didn't like what the big guys were doing to the customer. He didn't feel it was a good experience. He actually referred to it as uh, the big guys uh, give the customer the Mickey, which is mean they, they take advantage of them. They give them the shaft. Um, so, and I think he probably used some other words that I can't describe on the show, but that's that's what his concept was. So you have taken your business and you've elevated it above the industry. Yeah, and I 
I appreciate you saying some of those things, Shep. There, there, I think there is some really good analogies out there. Um, I, I think maybe one of the first things we did differently is that we, we really had no DNA as, as telecom guys. Uh, you know, we, we really were a software, you know, tech startup that took a totally different approach to providing these types of services to clients. And so we didn't have a lot of the legacy, you know, um, overhead or legacy baggage that a lot of the, you know, maybe some older school telcos, you know, had. Um, we just were able to take a really fresh approach. Um, sort of the same thing with, with Branson, not, you know, appreciating how the airlines were treating them. Um, I hated the fact that I could not understand most of the stuff that was on my phone bill. Uh, you know, you'd look at that phone bill and there was 15, you know, charges that, you know, you could barely pronounce acronyms you didn't understand. And you just never seemed to pay exactly, you know, what you thought you'd be paying. And so when, when we started Jive, um, I think you may have mentioned that I was, I was initially one of the technical founders, a software engineer, kind of, you know, moved over to marketing at this point. But uh, I helped write uh, the billing system. And one of the reasons I wanted to be directly involved in that project is because I wanted to make our bill essentially a one-line bill that literally never changed, right? We don't, we don't have any – we're trying to really not nickel and dime. We have an all-inclusive package, and we wanted to make that bill as simple as possible. So really, from the very founding, we had a customer focus trying to build something that a customer would appreciate uh, and that was different than uh, what was out there in, in uh, the land of telecom. So the friction point here is not getting the bill. It's not even paying the bill. That's what every bill is. The friction point is understanding the bill. And uh, I would imagine just as my bill every month is different, uh, and I look at you know my, our phone bills at home, and it's like, okay, why is it higher this month than last month? Why is my mobile phone bill uh, $50 higher? And then trying to decipher and figure out why. And uh, anyway, we can go on and on about it. Let's talk about NPS, and then I want to get into specifically what you've done. So first thing is, why should companies focus on NPS? That's a good question. Focusing on NPS is really uh, just asking why you should focus on customers, um, and that's that's really what it's about. I mean, I, I think fundamentally, focus, you know, NPS is a score of how well you're treating your customers, and it really tells you, you know, if you are doing the right things, and it, almost more importantly, it tells you, you know, if you're doing the wrong things, right? You you NPS really is an interesting score. Um, it seems very simple, but it's it's it has some very deep um, insights that we can gain by sort of understanding the different buckets that we're placing our customers in. It, you can have, you know, a ton of promoters, but if you have as many detractors, your your NPS score, you know, just is neutralized. And it's a lot easier to have more detractors than it is promoters. And so if you have a lot of detractors, that means you're doing a lot of things wrong and you need to stop doing those things. Um, if you don't have a lot of detractors and your NPS score is still, you know, relatively low because your promoters are low, that means you're not doing enough things right, right? So you want to, you kind of have both sides of that coin that you need to fix. You need to stop doing the things that are wrong that are making your customers upset, and you need to start doing more things that are right to get, you know, more promoters happening. And if you take that mindset, which you know NPS you know, just pretty much hands you, then you can really start to start to gain some. Um, exceptionally useful insights into uh, you know in, into how to grow and how to you know ultimately please that uh, customer. 
Right, I love that. And we're going to take a short break, and when we do come back, we're going to talk about some of the key things that you've done to make sure that customer service has become your competitive differentiator and has increased those NPS scores. You've been listening to Matt Peterson tell us, uh, give us some insights on how his company is growing and doing amazing things. Jive Communications, amazing things for the customers. And this is Amazing Business Radio. We're taking a short break. Don't go away. If customer service is the new marketing and content marketing is one of the hottest marketing trends, then it makes sense that your customer service and experience strategy would include a content marketing strategy. Delivering relevant content, not blatant promotional content, is part of the value that you can bring to your customers. You can become an influential voice in your industry, which creates more leads, loyalty, and brand recognition. And that's where PowerPost comes in. This solution will help you be more organized and efficient in the way you publish and post content to social channels, websites, blogs, email, and more. And the team at PowerPost can provide consultation and services to help your brand evolve into a modern-day marketer. Turn your company into a publishing machine that adds value to your customer's experience. Learn more at www.powerpost.com. Digital. That's www.powerpost.digital. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Matt Peterson at Jive Communications. So, Matt, uh, you've done a lot to get that NPS score to where it is. What are the specific things that you're doing that separates you from your competition? What makes that NPS score so high? What makes you have that competitive edge? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, one of the first things, you know, I'd say, you know, that we do differently is that NPS is is an actual company focus. It's not something we just talk about. It's not something we just sort of pay homage to. It's not something that we, um, you know, decided to do one quarter or one year and then stop doing it. It literally is our culture. We have um, an NPS goal every year uh, that we publish, I, you know, and this is in the marketing department participates in this. We do a basically a postcard, you know, cutout that sits on every employee's desk that has, you know, three numbers on it, uh, our three goals for the year. And one of those goals is always NPS. So literally every employee at Jive every day comes in and sees our NPS score uh, in, you know, a bright color uh, just to remind them that, you know, that's really who Jive is. Um, you know, I, I need to know what, what are more, the other two go uh, goals typically? I just want to know. <laughs> well, and so they change. Uh, they change depending on, you know, what, what Jive needs to accomplish that year. But the one that is constant always is NPS. So, you know, this year, you know, Jive's, Jive's a technology company. We're a growth company. So we have a pretty aggressive growth goal. And obviously, in, but NPS is always on the top of that sheet, right? Because most everything that we do flows from, from taking care of the customer. And so this year we've got, you know, we kind of have a uh, what we call an exit rate ARR goal, or it's really our, our growth number. At what at the end of the year, how how uh, much recurring revenue, uh, you know, how were we able to build during the year? And then this year for our third goal, we kind of broke it down into departments. So we we need to hit 90 per- percent of our you know interdepartment goals uh, to be able to reach our um, reach our overall goals for the year. And uh, in fact, you know, we we've put some major bounties on achieving these goals. Um, you know, if we hit one of those goals, we're taking the company kind of locally here to, to uh, Park City out here in Utah. Um, you know, a beautiful area. You know, it's a big ski, big ski country out here. 
Um, if we hit two of those three, we're taking them, I think, out to Florida this year. We're probably going to take the whole company to Disneyland. That's going to be quite a feat. You know, we're up at uh, about six, 700 people. Um, and then if we hit all three, you know, everyone's jumped on a plane going to Hawaii. So, the, you know, our employees know that we're taking it seriously. Those are obviously major, you know, logistical <laughs> planning events that we've got to get ready for. And we want to hit them. We want to be, you know, sitting on a beach looking at each other, uh, you know, obviously with our uh, with our mobile app on so we can take care of customers at that time. But, uh, you <laughs> know, we, we absolutely take it seriously. I yep. love it. I love it. And I love that, you know, that Peter Drucker said what you don't uh, measure, you can't manage. And you're doing a great job at it. All right, back to the original question. Uh, what have you guys done to become competitive using customer service to differentiate you? Yeah, so some some really specific tactics. Um, we have a huge emphasis on onboarding. Um, we, we feel like there's some, um, some pivotal events in the customer um, life cycle. And one, obviously, is when they come in the door, when they stop being a prospect and they start being a client, that transition obviously is critical, um, you know, to how they feel about us long term. So we, we have spent, uh, you know, a lot of time and energy and money uh, investing in um, understanding, you know, how clients want to be treated, what they want to hear, how we take care of their fears uh, in the onboarding process. And we've been able to automate uh, a lot of the things that can be automated, but some of the pieces, some of the most important pieces can be automated. And so we've, we've staffed um, you know, a full-fledged project management team and people that are just looking for, you know, customers that are struggling with any part of the automated part. So there, you can't automate, you know, customer care. You cannot fully automate the experience to the point where the customer, you know, potentially gets lost. And so we, we, have, what we, we have what we feel is a, a hybrid approach to that onboarding uh, where we automate the things that are appropriate to automate, but then we're right there with a person uh, that cares about that client. So I think that's a major, yeah. um, a and major win for us. You know, starting that customer out on the right foot. Right, and that's part of what a good customer success program is: is ensuring the success of the customer from the very beginning. Don't let them take a chance. Don't let them get frustrated even for a moment at the beginning of the relationship, because it just takes so much longer to build them back uh, to that confidence level they had. Uh, that's great. Any other quick ones that you can share? Yeah, quickly. Um, customers want to communicate with us how they want to communicate. Um, and I, I think that was a lesson that we, we had to learn. You know, we, we set up all these channels, even internally. You know, our processes when we started the company, um, you know, they just started to explode. And it became very complicated, you know, with how people people were trying to define how other people should communicate with them. You know, we were trying to really put a rigid set of protocols in front of our customers and expecting them to be experts on, you know, how to communicate with us, which is completely the opposite of the correct approach. You know, we should, we should be trying to figure out how the customers want to communicate with us and then building our, our systems, you know, against that set of data. And so I think we've done a pretty good job of, of trying to communicate with the customers where they want to communicate with and how they want to communicate with us. And I think, you know, that, that really eases the friction. Um, you know, anytime there's any sort of glitch or any sort of, you know, hiccup in service or, um, you know, in an onboarding experience or a shipment or anything like that, if customers can immediately and intuitively, you know, know how to communicate with us and it's effective, that really goes a long way to having that customer be long-term. So you're talking about a customer saying, I like to shoot a quick email or uh, open up a, a chat uh, on a web page or pick up the phone and call you. Those are just three separate channels. Uh, what about social channels? 
do you do you take yeah and a lot that? a lot of it's moving towards yeah a lot of it's sorry Shep, a lot of it's moving towards social you know like we pick we take care of a lot of uh customer issues that never hit our support queues because we actively monitor monitor our, our social media accounts right anytime we see anyone having an issue you know somebody's first response and some of the easiest ways to sort of vent is just shooting off a, a a tweet into you know into the internet and saying ah i can't believe this company is doing this i'm i'm upset and so we anytime anyone you know we see any of that happening we proactively reach out and, and trying to you know solve their problems and people are genuinely surprised most of the time when we uh you know five minutes after they've tweeted something that we're you know we're in their account trying to proactively fix the problem um, even though they didn't ask us to so five minutes what is your uh, that's pretty fast what's the like outside number or, or amount of time that you would feel is reasonable to respond to somebody who tweets or posts anything on any social channel Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I don't know that we've got great metrics on that. Um, you know, and part of this is, you know, since it's in the wild, it's difficult to control sometimes. But we, you know, we have a relatively sophisticated system of alerts. You know, we monitor our social channels using a variety of tools, and then we've got, you know, a couple of people, you know, kind of full time, you know, making sure that we are taking care of those channels. And so that, honestly, and and it's a it's a company wide thing. So we've got, you know our marketing department monitoring those, you know, customer service issues on our social media channels and immediately interfacing, you know, with our customer service people. And a lot of times, you know, marketers traditionally, you know, even though we interface with the clients, we're not in sales and we're not in customer service. We, we kind of like to write our own, uh, you know, write our own schedules, but that's not how we do it at Jive. Like everyone is a customer service agent here. And if you see a problem, you know, it's our responsibility to try and address it immediately. So, we are literally addressing and fixing customer service issues in marketing without them ever touching our support queues. So I think it's really just a mentality and a culture uh, that we've, we've tried to instill. Right. Everyone's in customer service. So I'm going to ask you a trick question. I don't expect you to know the answer, but it's a good point to make because I think when you hear the answer, you're going to say, yeah, we do that. Uh, so somebody tweets out, I can't believe this is happening to my Jive phone system, blah, 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 and they, they, they somehow in 140 characters or less describe the problem. What's the correct answer? Uh, I told you it was meaning a trick like, question. What do we, like, what would you, yeah. how would you respond to this person? Uh, well, I, taking ownership is key, right? Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter if it's our system or something on their end or something that neither of us can control. Like we immediately take responsibility and, and sort of proactively stand up to help. And so one of the worst things you can do in that situation is try and convince a, a person that they're not having a problem. Right? So someone, <laughs> right. someone's indicated they're having a problem and you, you try and convince them that it's not a problem. Um, you know, that typically leads to, you know, additional flames and, you know, hurt feelings and, you know, a, a terrible outcome. And so the first thing we typically do is acknowledge it, it doesn't matter if it's true or it doesn't matter if it, you know, we, we didn't see the same thing, just acknowledging the fact that they're going through pain. So that, you know, we've heard you, I think is an appropriate response. In it's most a cases. perfect response. So now I'm going to tell you uh, what I think the ultimate response is. And uh, my friend Frenchie, who used to work at a, as the customer service leader at a major cable network, uh, when somebody tweets something to you, you know who they are. Uh, they've mentioned your name, so you catch, catch that, so you know that you are the provider. They have a handle. You click on it. It opens up. It tells you who they are. Now you can 
track them into your system. Okay, this is one of our customers. They're complaining about this. Let's. How long will it take to fix this? Oh, it's simple. Let's fix it now. So seven minutes later, five minutes later, eight minutes later, your response is, thanks for letting us know. Try it now. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's yeah. the ultimate. Now, you're not going to be able to do that every time. And that's why I told you it's a trick question. And uh, she said, you know, that's just like the greatest thing that you could tell somebody. And then it just shows. And I also, and I've quoted my buddy Jay Bear a number of times who wrote Hug Your Haters. He says, when it comes to social media, customer service is a spectator sport. So when somebody decides to tweet or do a Facebook post or go on a review site and say something about you, the world potentially is watching how you as a company respond. And I think it sounds to me like you are just all over it and and doing great things. So we're going to take another short break. And when we come back, I do want to ask you about some things because I read something, and I believe it was Sterling that sent me this information about how you're using artificial intelligence and chatbots. And I want to talk about uh, that for just a brief point. And then, um, you know, we'll wrap up with some really great uh, comments from you. Uh, And I always ask my famous one thing question. So get ready for that. So everybody, we're going to take a short break. Don't go away. You've been listening to Matt Peterson's insights into amazing customer service using his company, Jive Communications, as a wonderful role model. Uh, We'll be right back. Don't just don't go away. Chef Hygen here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.chefondemand.com. Once again, that's chefondemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio on the C-Suite Network. And uh, we just, we're finishing up just before the break. Uh, I mentioned AI. Uh, my understanding is that you are doing some really cool things and, uh, you know, really high-tech type things uh, with what's happening at Jive. Share with us how that's impacting your customer service. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that I'd go so far as to say we're using artificial intelligence, you know, at this point. We're, you know, I'm a, I'm a technologist, and so we got to, um, understanding those terms, we're, we're not quite there. No one's, no one's actually created artificial intelligence. That being said, um, we, are, we are using algorithm-based, you know, communication to really, you know, improve both the effectiveness and the efficiency, right? We're taking a look at the data. We're taking a look at the response rates. We're taking a look at, you know, common questions we get asked and being exceptionally reactive to those and trying to build algorithms um, that can respond to those inquiries in a way that, you know, lets the customer know that they've been heard and also greatly, you know, reduces the latency between, you know, a request response time. And so one of the specific examples would be our, our chat application where we use, you know, some really defined macros, you know, when customers want to engage, excuse me, when customers want to engage us, you know, via that medium, um, we have a really nice tool set for our agents to be able to, you know, quickly you know, answer, you know, common questions and then start to get more intelligent about the responses based on, you know, the feedback from the clients and sort of, you know, what their sentiment is on how the, how the uh, interactions went. So are your reps actually on the chat when, when the chat opens up or are you using a bot? Um, a little bit of both, right? And so we have we have dedicated chat agents on both our sales and support side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so initially, you know, sort of the bot 
kind of gets an idea of what uh, the customer um, or prospect wants to talk about. And then, you know, we kind of, it's a little bit like the onboarding we talked about where we have, you know, automated what we can, but we definitely don't believe, you know, a computer should be taking care of, of our, of our customer. You know, if our, if a computer was doing it, we know our NPS score would be, would be much lower. And so we, we try and handle the, um, more automated, more transactional, more rote, you know, interactions um, with algorithms. But as soon as we get an exception, as soon as we get a, a use case outside of the norm, uh, that's where we're bringing a human being directly right. in. So it's seamless. And uh, we we believe it's seamless. Um, that being said, uh, you know, as soon as a cut, and we're trying to get better here. Obviously, you know, things are going to be improving, and our algorithms will get better. But we are we are absolutely moving towards uh, you know being able to determine exactly when that uh, when that wall needs to be crossed uh, you know from an automated response into a, a custom uh, response from a human being right well that's and that's what the best companies and the best systems are doing so do you think that uh, these chat bots are going to replace or artificial intelligence is going to replace uh, human beings in in their jobs now there's a loaded question well, you weren't I, expecting <laughs> I yeah I hope it does because I think in the end, um, computers are exceptionally good at doing, you know, at following protocol. Um, they're exceptionally good at, at repeatable, um, sort of immutable uh, activities. Um, and so, and human beings are not good at those things, and they don't typically enjoy doing those things, and they don't feel fulfilled when they do, you know, these rote tasks over and over. Human beings are much more creative, and they feel, you know, much better about themselves, about their company, about the customer when they're able to, you know, creatively solve problems. And so, you know, candidly, I hope AI comes and takes, you know, these manual jobs away uh, from human beings because human beings don't find fulfillment doing them. And that will allow us to, you know, find more creative outlets and, and less repetitive work for human beings. So I, ho I hope it comes. I'm, I'm definitely awaiting the day, uh, you know, when driving becomes, you know, a sport and a hobby as opposed to, uh, you know, a chore that I have to do every day as I go, you know, to and from work. So I am definitely, you know, on the, on the side of let's, let's have uh, computers do what they're best at and humans do what they're best at. Right. So it sounds to me like we're not looking at, for AI. We're, you're looking at that uh, technology to take away a lower level menial task, rope type work, and then allow the employee to move into a higher level but not necessarily eliminate them from their job in the company. Absolutely not. I, you know, if we were able to have more efficiency, um, you know, with less cost, that just that doesn't mean the service we're providing is less valuable. It means it's more valuable. We'll we'll have more revenue and more growth, and uh, you know, more employees doing more exciting uh, things. And so, we really think it's sort of the early innings, especially in our industry and in Unified Communications. Um, where a lot of the, you know, the applications out there are, are nascent, you know, in their ability to allow us to communicate seamlessly. So if we were able to focus more resources on, on innovation and creativity, which, you know, are the forte of the, the human mind, uh, you know, we're, we are eagerly awaiting that day. Love it. So it sounds to me like uh, AI isn't going to kill jobs. It could actually help make uh, create more jobs. And, and I always joke that, you know, that the ATM did not kill the teller in the banking business, uh, nor did video kill the radio star. How's that for an MTV <laughs> reference? 
<laughs> I love saying that. I just love giving the chance. Right to say on. That. Yeah. All right. We're just about out of time. I want to wrap this up with my one thing question. Uh, Matt, the one thing you can think of that you want to make sure this audience knows that would help them be more competitive in the world of customer service, differentiate them from the competitors. You can either go back and emphasize something you've already said, or you can give us a new nugget, your choice. Okay. Well, that's a good question. Um, probably the one thing that I would say that's helped us the most is just um, really fighting kind of the ivory tower syndrome. A lot of times, especially as you're scaling, you know, your business is, is very intense and it's, it's hard to stay, you know, in the fray. It's hard to be, you know, in the moment with your customers. And so one thing we've done here at Jive uh, as an executive team is we have, we have two lists that we review every week. One is a, is a uh, prospect list and, you know, Jive executives were all over, you know, North America. We're traveling, you know, now into Latin America, also Europe, um, and so we, we look at that list and we try and get in, you know, if we're traveling to a place where any of our sales reps have, you know, customers that are, they're trying to onboard or new prospects that they're trying to, uh, to sell, we are in those meetings personally. And so we have a, we are committed to getting out of the ivory tower and getting, you know, in, into the trenches on the front lines with, uh, our sales reps. The other list is our NPS list. And these are any, any major clients or clients in an area that have, you know, had issues with their onboarding or had issues with their service or had any issue at all, we are, you know, scheduling meetings with, you know, those clients every time we travel. And that really, you know, every time we go to one of those meetings, it's, it's both refreshing and produces just a massive amount of insights and improvements that we can make. And I think, you know, if it was one thing, it would be that you've got to stay connected to your, to your customers. And they, they, they they're waiting to give you amazing amounts of value and just, gold nuggets of information about how to better serve them, but you've got to be in there with them. You've got to ask them. You've got to be face-to-face. Um, you're never going to be able to improve if all you do is, you know, look around the room with your peers and, uh, and you know, sort of collectively rearrange your ignorance on what's what's happening with your business. You've got to get out on the front lines. I like that. Collectively rearrange your ignorance. And not to mention the goodwill that you create with your customers as you go out there and you meet with them and you listen to them and then you react to what they do. Matt, thank you so much for being on the show, man. This has been awesome. You've given us a tremendous amount of information, and this is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. Thanks, Chef. It's my pleasure. All right, everybody. You have heard from Matt Peterson, the CMO and co-founder of Jive Communications. Next week, we'll have another amazing interview. So until then, remember, always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.